Evening Combat Out Podcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Atena Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, the really tired, but what's new there, Adam Higgins, the Atena Out. And this is the show where I ramble and rant and tell you all about what's going on in my brain and my life and all of the shit for your listening, entertaining, whatever the hell you get out of this show. Pleasure. You can find me at OnDeadOutPodcast.com and at OnDeadOut and all the social media places. You know the ones. I talk about them all the time. Or you can hang around till the end. <sighs> How you doing? Hey, I think I got through it. I feel like I, I normally say more. Don't Doesn't it feel like I normally say more? I don't know. But anyway, how you doing? Ah, it's two weeks in a row. Yay! I'm, I'm, I'm doing better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm, I'm pulling my ass off the couch. That's what it is, is lately I've just been so pooped. I've been so damn exhausted that a lot of the time at night when I would normally record, excuse me, I'm just damn tired and I just haven't had the energy a lot of the time to pick up and record. And yeah, it's. Like I'll I'll get to the end of the night and it'll be recording time and sorry it's tapping something here and uh, yeah I I just I'm like I'd rather sleep which I mean hey you know sleep's a good thing you know it's how you your your body needs sleep and considering my lifestyle I need all the sleep I can get but yeah it you know but I I. I feel bad because I haven't been, you know, I, I, for so long, I would, you know, choose sleep, <laughs> but I'm okay now. And honestly, I will say if I know you are probably tired of hearing me talk about kidney stuff, but one of the, probably one of the more positive effects of the whole kidney stones. And I'm, you know, now always got a bottle of water attached to the hip. Um, I feel like I'm able to manage with like i'm not sitting here running on caffeine i'm not again i all but cut out sodas from my diet i will admit that my water is more like kool-aid because it's got mio in it (laughs) because it's the fruit punch mio and i need to get more because i'm almost out but you know i'm I'm going through all that and that i've got a little bit more energy i think i'm it's easier for me to stay awake drinking that if I'm actually drinking it because if I'm just sitting there with it next to me watching TV, then it doesn't really do me much good. But if I'm sitting there drinking it, then I I seem to have an easier time staying awake. At least, at least it's helped me like driving home at night, things like that, because I used to chug a Dr. Pepper on my way home and very often you know, I'd burn through that. I've my metabolism being what it is, I would burn through all of that very quickly by the time I get home. And I'd be very sleepy and it wouldn't do me much good. But it seems sitting here with my water bottle, I'm more alert. I'm able to kind of function more in my awakeness. And so it's it's not super late right now, but 
I'm doing better about being, and it's also, you know, getting back used to being at work, but I'm, I'm up and I'm recording and I dragged my ass off the couch instead of sitting here binging TV because that's also, you know, it's really hard sometimes to pull yourself away from, you like, just get into a show. You're like, next, (laughs) next episode, next episode, especially when you're a couple of seasons behind because I'm not one to jump on a brand new show as soon as it comes out. I usually kind of wait for it a bit, the exception being Wednesday. We jumped on Wednesday pretty quick. But for the most part, when a new show comes out, especially stuff that are like all of these new shows that are just exclusive to streaming services, I always kind of give Netflix a break on that because we've had Netflix for forever. But when it's, you know, these, I guess it's when the, like the movie studios now they all have their own, you know, their streaming services and HBO has a special streaming service and Paramount and, and all the other, you know, Peacock and all the, all these new streaming services that every studio and network and everybody has their streaming services. I'm less inclined to watch those because I don't need a million and one streaming services. We get Hulu free with our phone plan. We pay for Netflix because it's fucking Netflix. And we pay for Disney Plus because it's fucking Disney. And, you know, that's where between those, we get most of the other stuff. Um, I think we also, we pay for Discovery because that's how we watch (laughs) BattleBots. And some of our uh, ghost adventure type stuff and, and haunted houses and ghost hunting shows. All of that stuff, yeah, we watch all of that stuff on Discovery. So, yeah, but that's what we pay for. And I didn't realize we'd actually been paying for Paramount Plus, but apparently we are. And so I, you know, I've been kind of digging around on there because I, we used to pay for it willingly. I think we're just accidentally still signed up for it. And at this point, I'm watching it. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I know at one time we intentionally signed up for it. And a lot of it was for like Nicktoons and stuff like that. I was watching a lot of that stuff on there. And then I just kind of stopped watching it and we're like, yeah, we'll just get rid of this then. And I think somewhere along the way, I think we signed up for it for one of the big sporting events. I don't know if it was Olympic stuff or football stuff or something that we wanted to watch. And so we signed up for it again and just kind of let it go, I guess. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now, all that to say, it's really hard to pull yourself away when you're binging TV. And so, yeah, I, I did it. I pulled myself off the couch because realistically, so many nights I'll sit there watching something and just fall asleep on the couch, which kind of works out better for my wife because then she doesn't have to fight me for blankets or anything like that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's just what's going on. <sighs> so, besides binging TV, I've kind of been busy, and the title kind of tells you that. Because I'm trying to, you know, be more proactive in plotting shows. I think plotting, this sounds so nefarious. I'm, I'm planning what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to lie. I had, like, the back half of the show planned. I had the news ready, I had talk about what I've been watching lately, all this planned out. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to lead in with? I don't know what I'm going to lead in with. And then I realized I've been doing one damn thing 
over and over and over and over this week. <laughs> and again, if you look at the title, it kind of tells you. I've been baking a lot this week. And, you know, I it kind of goes without saying, I, I bake every week because I make fresh pizza. Once a week, we have pizza and I make pizza. I make my own pizza dough and I make fresh pizza every week. It's actually been a very busy cooking week now that I think about it. Because, you know, besides all the baking I normally do, again, always making fresh pizza dough. And we have a bread machine. And so generally, whenever we kind of get cravings for fresh bread, you know, throw all your shit in the bread machine, turn it on, leave it. Bread machines are a great thing if you want bread and you don't want to do the work. Now, I don't know if I want bread and don't want to do the work because I know the difference. And I don't like the shape of bread machine bread. It's kind of bricky. It comes out. I realize a loaf of bread kind of looks like a brick, but a bread machine, generally they have square based pans and it is very cylindric, not cylindrical because that would be round, but it's like to say it's like a, a rectangular prism, which also is, it's too big. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I'm trying to describe this without also just describing a loaf of bread. Every other description I had was like, well, well, a regular loaf of bread is shaped like that too, dumbass. Um, no, but it's, it's really big, like ridiculously big. And I will say it is great if I want to make bread for say uh French toast or I have like a special or uh, bread crumbs or something for stuffing. If I have a special use where giant ass pieces of bread is a good thing. Or I just want to make these, ma I can make some massive grilled cheese making with bread machine bread, these huge slices, but they're like probably a good six inch. I think it's a, I don't quote me on this. I think it's a six inch square. And so that's really big for bread. <laughs> and I think it's about eight inches, eight or nine inches deep. It's, it gives you a pretty tall, very wide square loaf. Not normal bread shape. It's just not. But the thing about it, like besides it's huge and it's it's foolproof, but it takes a bit longer. It takes like three and a half hours from when you throw all the shit in there to when it's done, unless you put it on like quick loaf, which I think I might start doing anyway, because I don't see it making too much of a difference for white bread. But anyway, all that to say, I have a bread pan. I have a, a stand mixer with a dough hook that I use every week. What's to stop me from just making a fucking loaf of bread in my bread pan and throw it in the oven? Theoretically, I can do it faster than the bread machine because I'm making one loaf and I'm doing it, you know, more net and like, you know, put it in the thing and have the mechanic, you know, have the machine mixy, mixy, mixy and proof it. And I will say, one one thing I've learned in my baking, because normally I use the bread machine just because it's easier, and I didn't, and I've I've watched enough making bread to like, I don't know, this feels like there's more work involved in making bread than just throw dough in the pan, and there is, because it's okay, mix up your dough, get all your flour and your yeast and your all this stuff, and throw it in together, you know, in the way that you're supposed to, and then 
you mix up your dough and then your dough, ha- you got to knead it for a little while until it's the right consistency. And then you have to leave it and let it rise. And you have to deflate it a bit and you have to knead it a little bit more. And then you have to shape it and then you have to let it rise again. And it seems like it's a lot of work and it feels like, oh man, this is going to take forever. And then I realized it still takes fucking forever in the machine. I'm just not doing all the steps, but the steps aren't that hard. Most of the time you spent waiting. And if I do like I do with my pizza dough, where I let it rise in the mixing bowl, then I don't have to worry about like anything because I take dough hook out. I cover the thing. I set it in a nice warm place and there it rises nice and happy. Dog just woke up. Sorry. Well, the one thing I haven't had recently because the weather hasn't really provided is a warm place because it's still been kind of chill. I would say it's not cold, but the air temperature inside the house has been in the low 70s because my wife has kept the air conditioner pretty low and it hasn't been super hot yet to where keeping the air low would be really bad. So it hasn't been really warm enough for proofing dough. But I, I kind of came up with a trick, and I'm sure a million other people have done this. But one, we have a gas range. So I will, our, our oven has a keep warm setting on it, which I usually use when I'm making pancakes or waffles or something like that, where I don't want them to get cold as I'm making the next batch of pancakes or whatever. So I'll like sit there and I'll have a sheet pan in the oven with like parchment paper or something on it. And I will just, as I'm making pancakes or waffles, I will turn them out and throw them on that. And it, I think it goes up to like 170, I think is the temperature that it keeps at, which is good enough to keep pancakes warm so that they're still, you know, when you're several uh, batches in and you've, you know, you're, you're still making pancakes, you got a couple dozen pancakes. Sorry, Mystic is over here being a pest sorry <laughs> she wants attention and so yeah but it, it's good for that well anyway all that to say i obviously don't want my oven to be 170 degrees for proofing dough that's just too damn hot i need it you know probably warm in the 80s somewhere so i started turning on the oven at the keep warm setting for like a minute, minute and a half, shut it off. And then I put my bowl, my mixing bowl with the dough into proof in there. And now it's substantially warmer than it is in the rest of the house. It's still an insulated box and it also kind of holds that humidity. And so it's a warm, moist and dark environment to proof the dough in, which is everything it really needs. So, and it works really well. And I've also done that after I've, I've shaped the dough and put it in the pan and everything for the second rise. I do the same thing. I make sure that it's, you know, warmed up, but not hot because if it's hot, it's just going to dry everything out, but warmed up and throw the loaf in there. And instead of having, because I've just had a problem the last couple of times I tried that I was leaving it in the dough would sit there for an hour, hour and a half, and not really fully rise the way it should. And so I, I went with this trick and like, hey, 
this works. Now I've got nice loaves that look like a loaf of bread instead of flat. So, <laughs> and the thing is, all of this, you know, experimentation with, oh, this didn't really work. And, oh, well, what about I put it in the oven and all these tricks and, oh, that was too hot. All of this was this week. This is all separate loaves, including making bread in the bread machine. But this is all at least three times this week that I have spent at least a, yeah, two to three hours of the day making bread. <laughs> and I realized, yes, the, I just said the machine takes like three and a half hours. What's the difference with this? If I'm making, if I'm spending, you know, three hours doing it, one, a lot of it is downtime. Most of it's just, you know, you're waiting for it to rise, but it's the hands-onness of it. I will say keeps me from sleeping, which a lot of things keep me from sleeping. But at the end of the day, I have fresh hot bread. <laughs> Isn't it just better when you have fresh hot bread? And I, and again, I have more control over it. Things like I have a, I, I don't know if it's just the recipe I use or what, but the bread I make in the bread machine tends to fall more often than the one using the exact same recipe than if I make it by hand. So I, I kind of like that. I, I think maybe it gets overmixed or undermixed or whatever it is, but I have a little more control over the result when I'm doing it by hand. And if I do it by hand, I also have the option of making a double batch and making multiple loaves of bread. <laughs> and I, I, I've been using a bread pan. I think I might go for doing a, just a loose form loaf, uh, soon, but I, I definitely need to lay off baking bread on days where I've got to work <laughs> because then I don't sleep. That's really it. Unless I start it early in the morning, which I haven't been doing, then I don't sleep because I, I start mixing dough and I do the things and I'm rolling and doing all this stuff. And I, next thing you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't slept all day and I've still got to wait on the bread to come out of the oven. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, it's it's been a it's been a baking sort of week. <laughs> yeah, it's been bread and bread and bread. And because we all like fresh baked bread around here, thing, we have a shit ton of bread in the house any given time. But when there's fresh bread, like I just baked rolls or I just baked uh, a loaf of bread or whatever, that shit doesn't last a day. Maybe two days at best, because I might say, hey, no, leave it. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point I need to like basically make a batch of butter to go with every time I make bread because I've been burning through bread and butter because I'll, we'll end up using, cause we'll just sit there with fresh bread and slap some butter on it and munch. And I've been burning through butter too. We've gone through like a stick per loaf almost. Also, oh, extra trick. Something I learned recently from another video about a really simple bread recipe, because the one of the biggest problems we've always had when we bake bread is its crust is it's so crusty. Fresh baked bread tends to be really hard. And generally speaking, most people want, unless you're really going for a hard crusty bread, you want a soft bread that you can put some butter or jam on or whatever and enjoy or make a sandwich with. And I'm not a fan of hard, crusty bread. I like a soft bread. Well, whenever your bread first comes out of the oven, 
this trick I, I saw and I tested it on my last loaf. Take a stick of butter and immediately wipe the entire top of the bread down. Just coat the entire top of the bread with that but- stick of butter and just wipe it all down and soaks in, softens up the, the top and super soft bread. Great. Softens up the whole outside crust. You don't get that hard, crispy kind of flakiness. I don't like the hard, flaky crust. I like a soft crust, that buttery crust. And I actually went uh, a little, a step further is because you're supposed to wait about 10-ish minutes after it comes out of the oven to depan it. And I think it has to do with just kind of contracting a little bit and the bread pulls itself away so you don't tear or anything like that. Nevertheless, as soon as I depanned the bread, I take the stick of butter and did the entire outside, all the sides, everything, top, bottom side, everything. And now this is the softest loaf of bread. This is by far the best bread recipe or best best loaf of bread I've done in the last week. It is in the last week. I've spent more time baking loaves of bread in the last week than I have in most of my life. I usually just throw it in the machine. I'm lazy like that. But the results speak for themselves. Do you want my bread recipe? It's not a mystery. You can look up basically any basic white bread recipe, and this is what you'll get. But here we go. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, (laughs) as of right now, as I'm recording this, this recipe is not in the show notes. Why? Because I'm deciding to do this right now, and I don't know if I'm willing to go back and add it. We'll see. But real simple. I'm going to assume you know the basics of the process of making bread. Generally speaking, it's actually kind of idiot proof if you're looking at just white bread, but nevertheless, you're looking at about, and I say about, three cups of of flour. If you want to use bread flour, that's even better. I use all-purpose flour because that's what I have. Three cups of flour, a cup of warm water, no hotter than 110. Now, you have the option of using milk, water, or 50-50. I, on this last loaf, I used 50-50. I bloomed my yeast in the water, and then I added the milk, hot milk, and butter after. Anyway, so you got a, a cup of liquid, whether milk, butter, or milk, or water, whatever. Two teaspoons of yeast-ish. A packet of yeast is two and a quarter teaspoons. So it's a packet of yeast, or if you're like me and you have a jar, it's about two teaspoons. I just put two fat teaspoons. A tablespoon of sugar, teaspoon of salt, and what else? Where am I leaving? Oh, quarter cup of melted butter. You can use softened butter too. I just use melted butter and I put it in with the liquids. I use, like what I did was, like I said, I used half a cup of warm water for the yeast and I had a half a cup of milk and I melted the butter in with the milk, mixed it all up nice, made sure it didn't get too hot. Um, extra trick, if your liquid gets too hot to because, again, yeast, if your, if your liquid gets over 110, it kills your yeast. Shit, sucks. So, my trick for pizza dough, and there's actually a lot of, like, unless you're using the 
dry, dry yeast. But if you're using like active dry yeast, I think it's the red packets and red jars that you do not have to always bloom it. You don't have to put it in the water with sugar. You can, or if you're using like quick rapid rise yeast, anything like that, basically anything other than the like old school, you must bloom this yeast. You can just throw it into the flour. Not going to hurt anything. It'll still work. So you want to go that route, the even more lazy route. And this is like bread machine yeast. That's why you have to use this type of yeast in bread machines because it all just gets mixed together. Nevertheless, I know more complicated. I'm I'm going on more than I, I said it would. But yeah, you can just throw all of your dry stuff, your your tablespoon of sugar, your teaspoon of salt, your three cups of flour, throw all of that in, get it all nice and mixed up, and then add, if the event that your water may be too hot, and this is the way I've kind of leaned on it because everything helps cool it down before it really affects the yeast, is then you pour your liquids on top of that slowly as it's mixing. And it helps if you're when you're using a stand mixer or whatever, because then it slowly incorporates that liquid in nicely. But that way, if your water happens to be a little too hot, it's not going to, it, by the time it really incorporates, it will have cooled down enough very quickly to be workable and it'll be better for the yeast and for everything involved. So yeah, there's a fair trick. Again, a cup of water or milk, warm, and I use a quarter, it's a quarter cup, which is a half a stick of melted butter. I like melted butter versus, I've seen a lot of recipes. It's basically any fat of your choice. I like the flavor of butter. I like a buttery bread. I've seen this recipe done with vegetable oil or shortening or anything like that. I like butter. That's it. I also, for the sake of Again, flavor and a little sweetness. I throw a big fat squeeze of honey in there from the top of the bear because, well, why not? Because, yes, I realize it's fucking with the sugar ratios and the yeast chemistry and all that shit. But you know what? Sometimes bread just needs to be a little sweeter. I'm sorry. I'm American. But yeah. And you can throw in some more salt if you want a little more salty. It's just what it is. Uh, Just as a reference. Salt helps stall the yeast process, so don't put too much. But that's it. Mix until dough is fully formed, and and add small amounts of water or flour to a, you know, to because things like air humidity and elevation can affect how well the dough hydrates and incorporates everything. And so sometimes you just need to add another tablespoon of flour here and there or another teaspoon or tablespoon of water to just get it to come together just right. But mixy, 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 let it rest, rise, roll, like kind of pat it out and squish it out a little bit, shape it into a rectangle, roll it up, put it in your greased uh, bread pan. What the hell? Lost the word for bread pan. And let it rise again until it rises above the level of the pan, maybe a half inch ish or so. And throw it in the oven 400 degrees for 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, check on it around 20 minutes when it's golden brown and should be, if you have a thermometer, about 200 degrees inside. And yeah, do the whole butter thing and have a nice day. Let it cool down. Yeah, trust me, it sucks. 
I hate waiting for bread, but you're supposed to let it cool down. Otherwise, it can steam out and get all mushy. It's just apparently a thing. Bread. Not that hard. <laughs> I probably made it sound harder by throwing in variations and, well, you could do this instead. You could do that instead. But bread. It's not. It's actually not that hard. And believe it or not, that's for the most part the same recipe I use. Give or take a little bit for pizza dough. The, the ratios at least. Because you're still looking at about two and a half to three cups of, of flour. You're looking at about a cup of water for that amount. Uh, so what I end up doing, I do a double batch. And so I actually do about five cups of flour, about two cups of water, and just a quarter cup of this is less oil for pizza dough. Here's a quarter cup of olive oil because pizza dough. Um, I've got a full tablespoon of yeast, two tablespoons of sugar, a tablespoon of salt. It needs that extra salt. And I also throw in a teaspoon of garlic powder and onion powder and do it's the same process. You know, work it, work it, work it, split it. I don't double rise my pizza dough. Probably should, but I don't because that takes too long. My time frame doesn't allow me to double rise my pizza dough. Nevertheless, it's tasty. I like it. But yeah, I just gave you two recipes that I probably am not writing down because if you look up basic white bread recipe, that's basically what you're going to get. And there are, you know, five minute videos on YouTube about how to make white bread. I'm not telling you anything that it, it's not some trade secret. <laughs> but I use butter instead of oil and I'm liking the result of using milk instead of water and an extra squeeze of honey just because I like that. But yeah, that's my bread. And it's it's nice and buttery and soft and is tasty and goes well with butter or toasted or it, it just, yeah. <laughs> bread. Bread is great. <laughs> Starting off from the New York Post, Chinese man sentenced to jail for scaring his neighbor's chickens to death. Yeah, a man in China was sentenced to six months of time with a one year of probation for scaring his neighbor's chickens to death. Yeah, so apparently the, he was feuding with his neighbor over a tree or something, and in his his, his er, rage, you could say, <laughs> he apparently went to the, the neighbor's house at night and used a flashlight to scare the chickens and cause them to panic and trample each other to death. Yeah, and over at least two separate occasions resulted in 1,100 chickens trampling themselves to death with apparently a monetary value of around $2,000. $2,000? Man, that's not bad. Man, buy a little less than two bucks a chicken. That's not too bad. They're like four bucks at, at the tractor supply. 
I don't know why I just jumped in there with that. But yeah. Um, yeah, but 1100. Holy shit. That's a lot of chickens with a flashlight. And this is, I'm so when the headline says, scared the neighbor's chickens to death. I'm sitting here thinking that the chickens are having little chicken heart attacks or something. Not that he spooked them and they trampled each other to death. I mean, I, I honestly don't know what's better, <laughs> but cause that's, I hope for the sake of like everybody involved, especially the guy who, whose chickens these were that he was able to recover the birds and get some meat out of them because it would really suck. And I, I'm aware that the reason that they have to uh, butcher chickens pretty much immediately after they're killed is because when you kill an animal for food, that very quickly body juices and things like that start breaking down the body and it's inedible. So I understand that. So I, it's more likely he wasn't able to recover any of the birds if they all, you know, killed each other overnight and stuff. And he wakes up in the morning and, oh shit, my birds are all dead. Probably not able to recover the birds. And I'm willing to bet there's probably a lot of wild animals that probably got to them because there's a shit ton of dead birds that were making a whole fuck ton of noise. But yeah, <laughs> but dude, really now you're in jail and you got to pay the dude a couple grand because you fucking scared his birds to death. Dumbass. Ah, moving right along. Huh, this one was fun. <laughs> uh, coming from notthebee.com, two former prison guards have been charged with... <laughs> Forcing their inmates to listen to Baby Shark on repeat. I'm pretty sure that's like banned under the Geneva Convention. Holy fuck, Baby Shark. I'd lock him up too. <laughs> Let's see. Four inmates filed a federal civil rights lawsuit in 2021 accusing the guards of using excessive force <laughs> and tactics described as torture events. Uh, including, <laughs> including, uh, repeating, having baby shark played on repeat for hours. <sighs> That's like, what do they say? How, uh, the CIA or, or the Marines or whoever it was with like, with Noriega and they just played loud, obnoxious music outside his compound until he surrendered that shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it is. It's psychological torture with Baby Shark. Ah. <laughs> I would I would file a federal, not that I would ever be in prison, but I would be filing, you know, uh, human rights violation charges with them too, because holy shit. That's... <laughs> It's so dumb. Like, it's stupid on a, uh, like, in a, a wow sort of level. Not like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have words for the baby shark torture. I don't know 
where does this fall with like waterboarding you know <laughs> waterboarding baby shark i honestly can't tell you right now as a parent it's it's really close just saying <laughs> but you know and i realize i'm kind of flying through these but i have one it's been a long time but it it it, it must be done it's time for the jackass of the week man i'm using all my my sound effects this week aren't i monster energy <laughs> fucking assholes monster energy has apparently been going on a uh lawsuit spree they've been getting a little litigious and uh, i'm losing like all of it including suing capcom and Pokemon over their use of the word monster. I mean, seriously? <laughs> you are monster energy. They are Pokemon, which if you live under a rock and don't know that Pokemon translate to a pocket monster, it's a, there's a thing with trademarks where it has to actually be relevant. And when you file a trademark, it has to be, how is it used? What it's used for? Monster Energy has zero connection to Pocket Monster, Digital Mon- Digimon, and Pokemon, and all of these other things that are monsters. But apparently, they actually went and sued them in Japan, <laughs> which naturally the courts threw that shit out and said, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> apparently, Monster Energy has filed over a hundred complaints in Japan on multiple companies just using Monster in any way. And I guess they've just kind of been just on a, like, sue-happy spree. I don't know. What the hell? They, I mean, at what point do they realize that they're going, they're just making themselves look bad? I mean, they they have no claim. (laughs) Because it's not like a protected word this is not paris hilton trying to trademark that's hot or i was it taylor swift tried after um the shake it off came out and she tried to trademark uh this this sick beat or something like that you know when trump tried to trademark you're fired because it was catchphrase on uh the apprentice you can't, these are common phrases. The word monster cannot be trademarked. Now, another energy drink company can't call themselves Monster Energy. That's lit. That is the limitations of your trademark, guys. Stop fucking around. <laughs> You're going to, they probably went after Toho because Godzilla is the king of the monsters. I'm willing to bet. If it says a hundred Japanese companies they've gone after, they probably sued Toho. But this happens to be coming from GoNintendo.com, so Pokemon is more relevant to them. <laughs> and Capcom. And I'm sure, not sure exactly, uh, I haven't played a Capcom game in a while, but there are monsters in Capcom games. Seriously. Like, what the fuck, Monster Energy? They're they just had a really big win in court with a couple of other energy drink companies i forget the name of the one 
that basically was straight up lying in their marketing and advertising and just got dragged and basically got sued into bankruptcy because of Monster. It was like Monster actually legitimately sued them for basically false advertising and their false advertising causing a an unfair market share fluctuation or something. Basically, they lied about their product saying they had some special something or other and made up a whole bunch of science bullshit that was all just bullshit in their advertising and were basically found by the court to be lying in their marketing and it was harming the market. And so they were sued into oblivion and basically lost to the point of bankruptcy. They lost more than the value of the company and are dead. I forget what it was. Um, it was a really popular energy drink for a very short time, like last year. And now they're toast because they lied. <laughs> but that one legal win does not mean that right now Monster Energy are being complete and utter jackasses. <laughs> Recommended listening. So you know how I kept saying that I've been binging a lot of TV and it's been hard to pull myself off the couch? <clears throat> well, yeah, that's pretty much a product of me being a massive nerd because despite the fact that it's been on now currently in its third season, I just in the last week started watching Star Trek Picard. And if you've been listening for a considerable amount of time, you're aware that I am a gigantic nerd and I'm a Star Trek kid. <laughs> I went to bed watching Star Trek Next Generation every night at bedtime. Um, I've seen all the movies. I, I'm going to say it right now. I prefer Picard over Kirk. I don't like the original series as much. What can I say? It's not my generation. Nevertheless, <laughs> I started watching the show and I'd heard good things on and off. I'd heard, you know, that it was, it was a good show that it, you know, really explored a lot of stuff. And it was, it really kind of in the first season, it captured a lot of that same energy and the exploration and lots of stuff. And I was like, yeah, it was a good show. And I've heard that the second season got way too punch you in the face political. And a lot of people were like, wow, this show really fell off in season two. And now the same people are saying season three, the current season, which is officially, to my understanding, the last season. And everybody involved has said, nope, Three seasons, that's it. It doesn't matter what they want. doesn't matter how much money they throw at us. This is a three-season show. We're done at the end of season three. Apparently, they're even going to be releasing the season finale in IMAX. Nevertheless, I just, I'm about halfway through season two right now. And I I will absolutely say, I'm, I'm digging the show. But season two is completely ham-fisted Mike Tyson- punching you in the face with over-the-top political agenda shit. And it's really obnoxious. 
And so, yeah, one thing that I did find funny and not to be too spoilery, but there's a time travel element of it. And at one point they go back to the year 2024 and it's kind of funny because I think this season was shot in around in and around 2021, 22 area, right as you know, COVID stuff was starting to die down and Hollywood could get back to work and, and you could start shooting TV shows again, shit like that. But they're in 2024 LA and they look up at one point and you can see the hills are on fire because it's California and there's always wildfires in the summer, just like Arizona's got wildfires every summer. And talking about, oh, the drought and there's no water and there's fires everywhere. And if you had to predict what 20 to summer of 2024 would be like in 2022, you would absolutely say we're in the middle of a drought and the, you know, hills in LA are on fire. Why? It happens every year. And California has been in a drought for like 20 something years, the same as we have in Phoenix. No way anybody could have predicted the winter we've had just recently where we have record amounts of snow and flooding, and suddenly all of the reservoirs are having to be drained because they're over capacity. Yeah, nobody could have called that because I can, at this point, there will not be one. The wildfires are probably going to be next to nothing this year because the ground's so saturated and the grass is still going to be very green. But the drought conditions, is, at least in Arizona, are all but gone right now. And we haven't had the snowpack melt. Not that we're getting into the weather right now, but it's just, it was just a funny thing that I observed. It's like, this would have been a good prediction. You guys totally could have predicted wildfires in LA and there might and a massive drought. Unfortunately, in uh, April of 2023, that is not the world that LA exists in right now. It's kind of funny. Could have called, could not have called this. Just a funny observation I had. Anyway, yeah. Um, it, it's very obvious in the second season, the political puncher and punch him in the face with stuff. And it's really obnoxious. I really hate obnoxious political insertions in anything because it takes you out of whatever you're watching. It's just, it's, you know, but it's, it's like, hey, eh, I, I, I have heard and I'm not there yet. Cause like I said, I'm only halfway through season two right now that it's better in the third season and they, for the most part, drop all the ham-fisted political uh, posturing and whatnot. And like I said, everybody's saying season three is the best season and they're just going out with a bang. And if you've seen anything for as far as promotional, anything for the show, it looks like they get the whole gang back together by season three and like the entire core crew and cast of Star Trek uh, Next Generation show up and is back together in season three. So I'm excited for that when I get to it. But for right now, yeah, crazy shit. It's it's a good show. I'm I'm still, you know, getting myself, I'm I'm sitting there, you know, having to drag myself away also because I'm kind of completionist that way and like, no, I have to see what happens next. Even if I wasn't enjoying the show, even if it was starting to turn downhill, like I said, I've been watching Andromeda and I'm getting into the shitty seasons. And I, I will say season three of Andromeda, the start of the season, I'm glad somebody told them that the weird split screeny shit they were doing was fucking dumb 
because it was fucking dumb. And they stopped doing it after like the third or fourth episode. I am so glad they stopped because that was fucking dumb. But I, and I'm hoping that somebody told the uh, producers and and writers of Picard that the ham-fisted political shit in season two was fucking dumb and they needed to drop it and just get back to more space adventures because it's Star Trek and it's all about space adventures. And yes, there's always been sort of political sort of stuff in the background, but it was about teaching you a lesson, not beating you over the head with one-sided political bullshit. So yeah, good show though. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, a little bit of it's kind of like on the nose and cheesy and, and things like that. But, you know, it's a fun show. And if you are a a fan of the Star Trek, especially the next generation years, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. I will say if you have not seen at least the last of the next generation movies, which was uh, Star Trek Nemesis, you might be a little confused because this series is essentially a sequel to that film. And not to spoil a 20-something-year-old movie, but at the end of the movie, Data dies. And essentially, this series is Picard, like, 10, 15 years later, still, like, traumatized and still dealing with the the aftermath of Data dying and him sacrificing his life to save Picard and all this stuff. And, you know... And stuff like that. And so it's it's a big, you know, it, that is very crucial and critical, especially in the first season. It is very critical to the whole plot of the, the whole show. And kind of the underlying motivations for all of his actions, kind of everything reaches back to Data's sacrifice and that sort of stuff. And for a dead guy... Data is in the show a lot, and they have Brent Spiner, who was Data, and his brother, and his creator, and apparently every other fucking member of the family ever in point of history. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Because in the series, he played Data, he played his brother Lore, and he played Dr. Soong, who built them. And in Picard, he's played his... Like an ancestor, like an ancestor of his in the 2000 and 2024, he's played his actual living like brother. So Dr. Sung's, uh, actual human son, who is also a like roboticist, uh, engineer. And like, like we're just going to have Brent Spiner play everybody that's ever been related to this family ever. <laughs> Except for apparently they're like cousin, sister, niece, whatever the you would say the relation is to this one girl that's really a uh, character that's like plot important. But aside from that, he plays like every member of this damn family. But it, 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 it's cool because, again, if you're one of those kids who grew up watching uh, Next Generation, you're getting all the, the callbacks. And also uh, Seven of Nine, who was the hot Borg chick from Star Trek Voyager who basically, if you know anything about the behind the scenes of that show, 
basically the introduction of that character changed the entire course of that show and basically created a massive it was like probably the most dysfunctional of every cast because they went from this ensemble cast and everybody kind of had their place and storylines that you know really showed off the team and the everybody and and all of this and they introduce seven of nine a hot ass borg chick and suddenly it becomes the hot borg chick show and she's on all the posters and she's doing all the promotions and she's doing all the interviews and suddenly every storyline was focused on her and her relation to everybody else because she's the hot ass borg chick and well she's in the show and she is very important and within the storyline it's important for her to be there and they do a great job in the story of how she relates and her connection to Picard and all of the everything. And it makes sense. She probably makes more sense. And I can't say it necessarily because the Borg were the big bads, the ultimate big bads in Voyager and lots of stuff. But, and I realize I'm nerding out terribly here. I'm really like somewhat flexing my, my nerd cred here, but like, and, and I think she works better as a character with all of her past development in the past and everything with Voyager and all of that. Her character here makes more sense with all of the past trauma. The way they use her here is much better. I really like the way they're using the character of Seven of Nine in Picard. As plot-wise, it makes sense. Um, everybody else for the most part until you, besides like the recurring, you know, we're the flashback characters, like, you know, they've got all the cameos, they've got everybody, you know, Riker and Troy and Jordy and they, and Worf and, and Dr. Crusher. And they, they bring everybody back by season three. And again, lots of flashbacks of data and things like this. And again, they've got the same, they've got Brent Spiner playing his whole damn family. It's like fucking Nutty Professor movie with how Eddie Murphy playing everybody. That's what they did to Brent Spiner. He's playing fucking everybody. But yeah, it, but it, and, and they had uh, Whoopi Goldberg came back to play Guinan. And, you know, it, they, it's, it's a lot of nostalgia, really. And I think I, I enjoy that element of it. Um, Q, um, Borg Queen. Even though it's not the same woman, they've had the board queen played by multiple people, but the board queen is so caked in makeup. You could put Patrick Stewart under that makeup and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference because there's so damn much makeup for that character. But <laughs> it's a good show. I'm just going to say it's a good show. Again, ham fisted stuff in season two. Yeah, it happens. Guess what? It's TV in the 2020s. It's just what it is. I'm looking forward to season three. Um, I'm, I guess I I'm, I'm at episode five. I think there are nine or 10 episodes a season. So I'm about halfway through season two right now. I'll probably be done with it by next week if I don't pull myself off the couch and, you know, be productive or anything, but I'm a nerd. I'm a giant nerd. I watch my giant nerd shit. I'm sorry if you were, you just got, you know, bombarded with my giant nerdiness. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, it, it is it is what it is i'm a giant uh bread making nerd <laughs> i think that's enough i think I've, I've embarrassed myself enough for this week remember you can get all the past episodes links to subscribe to the show if my dog will stop shaking her collar at me at odddataoutpodcast.com you can get yourself a t-shirt merch connect with me find me in all the social media places i'm at odd Dad out on facebook twitter instagram technically on tiktok don't forget the oddballs facebook group all of this you can find in the show notes in your podcast player of choice or once again at odddadoutpodcast.com. And until next time, oddballs, live long and... No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Good night.